Hey. Hey, can you see me? No, but I can hear you. Now I can see you. Okay, cool. Uh, Corey Gill Schuster, welcome to the kill stream, sir. I appreciate you coming on. Sure. Happy to. All right, now, uh, you've never been on the show, and I do this a lot with new guests especially. Um, mm -hmm. give, give a little bit of your background uh, and tell people some stuff about you and give them a little intro here. Sure. Uh, um, so I, well, one of the things I do in my day job is I am the director of a, a conflict resolution and mediation master's program at Tel Aviv University. So if anyone's interested in, in studying conflict resolution, let me know. Uh, in my spare time, I might I need that, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, I might need some of that, by the way. But anyway, go uh, ahead. <laughs> yeah, go I, ahead. I hear you. I'm the same way. A little hot, hot headed, little tempered uh in my spare time i uh developed this project on youtube called the ask project uh where people from everywhere around the world send me questions i go out to the streets of israel and palestine the west bank um and ask random people to answer the questions i try to get eight to ten answers per question and then i just put them together i don't edit out any content um only if someone asks not to be in it do i take it out um, but everything that I film is in there um, if I'm given permission. So it gives you a sense of what Israelis and Palestinians uh, think about what's going on. Now, why did you start doing that? Do you think it's not accurately portrayed? What oh, actual... it's, it's terrible. I, 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 I'm a little on the spectrum. I'm making kind of a half joke um, that when people get things wrong, about, at least about the Israeli side, because I know much more about that because I've lived in Israel for a long time, it, it gets on my nerves um, that people miss the point. They don't understand motivations. They don't understand what's really going on. There's a lot of uh, uh, false uh, information, a lot of misinformation out there. Um, and because I live it, um, it, it gets on my nerves when I read about it. And so why did I start is that people were making claims about, at the time it was about Israelis. And I was like, I don't think that's true. I mean, maybe I'm naive, maybe just the people I know. And uh, somebody actually said something, what are you going to go and ask people? And it just flashed in my mind, I have a camera, why not just ask a few people uh, around the country to answer questions and put it up on YouTube? Why not? And then as soon as I did that in on the Israeli side, I saw I could do it on the Palestinian side and maybe even create some kind of dialogue between Israelis and Palestinians who are very cut off from each other. But um, it didn't really turn into a dialogue. It really turned into each side telling its own narrative. Now, what's the response to your project been like? I guess it's been, how long has it been going on? Both those 12 years since 2012 uh, is when I started it. Um, I've been releasing two videos pretty much every, uh, a week. Uh, what is the response? I get a lot of uh, a lot of people who write me and say thank you for showing something different, uh, especially from the other side, meaning about Israelis, the ones about Israelis from uh, the Muslim or Arab world. Um, I get uh, people who who just at least it clears up a lot of ideas that they had had or they'd heard about Israel and whether it was true or not or, or how common it is. Because in a lot of these ideas and this misinformation that I talk about, there's a there's a grain of truth. It's not that it's completely wrong. It just how fringe is it? How important? How part of the conflict is that whatever that misinformation is. And sometimes it is an important part. Often it's not. Um, so people, I get thanks. I get a lot of challenges of people saying that I'm lying, um, that I'm choosing my the people I ask, um, or I'm choosing the responses. And I get some threats. 
I've been threatened uh, just this week. A Palestinian said, if he sees me in the West Bank, he's going to smash me in the head. Um, and I've been threatened by Israelis as well, who thought I was doing something, uh, uh, well, they call it left wing here. Um, I'm, I'm doing something anti-Israel. Because a lot of my questions are very controversial. So people make an assumption that this, these are things I believe. It's nothing to do with what I believe. It has to do with what do people around the world need to know. So it really varies. Most of it is very positive, I have to say. Now, get, what's your personal take on on the conflict, if you want to give it? Sure, we're, we're screwed. Um, <laughs> in the sense that I don't think there's a solution. Um, the Israelis and the Palestinians define the conflict in such different ways that... Um, it's as if they're two different conflicts. They don't understand the other side. They have no interest in understanding the other side. Um, and Israel at the moment has a lot of strength uh, in terms of the economy is, is good. Uh, it has a lot more money. It has It is a, an actual country. Palestine is in the country. Um, there's a lot of support for Palestine I'm seeing around the world. Um, I hope that translates into forcing Palestinians and Israelis to actually have to deal with each other and negotiate as opposed to be rivals and one over the other, but it is what it is. Um, so, but I, I don't think there's a good solution. I really don't. There's one state, the two state, every solution has huge problems, huge problems that will, if implemented, would create even more violence than there is today, in my opinion. So there's no good way. I mean, that's kind of my yeah, really. read on it too, really. I mean, I don't know. Yeah. Um, you know, well, it's because the people themselves don't want a yeah. solution. Um, for the Israelis, it's pretty easy. They don't really care to have a solution. Um, and for Palestinians, they are uh, almost in the West Bank. I don't know about Gaza. I'm assuming Gaza is the same. Singularly obsessed with this return of to 1947 Palestine and taking it all, and the Jews have to leave. Pretty much. I mean, there's a lot of exceptions. I have friends there. I meet people every so often who will tell me on camera, you know, they want peace, but it's pretty rare. Uh, and it's more rare the younger you are. The more educated and younger you are, the more rare it is for them to want peace with Israelis. Older people who grew up around Israelis uh, are more open to it. So. Well, that's not a good sign. <laughs> no, not at all. Not at all. Um, yeah, no, I mean, you said it yourself, like the two-state solution... Uh, it's not even wanted, really, like you said, and then uh, they're separated. It is, by the way, I, I would say it is the best solution, other than something like a confederation or some sort of federation system. Um, it is the best solution because it gives everyone a little of what they want and not everything that they want. But everybody wants just what they want, and everyone is very stubborn in this in this region, so it makes it really difficult. And a one binational state would mean what is the nature of that state? And each side is going to push and pull until we're like Lebanon and it's a civil war. Um, so that to me is worse. Um, but that's my opinion. Now, what was it like um, in Israel when Hamas attacked on, I guess it was October 7th? What was yeah. the initial reaction like and what's it been like since then uh, living there? Oh, yeah, it's been, it's been bad. Um, I actually received the first notification. Well, first I woke up to this air raid sirens. Everyone did of rockets being launched at Israel, but that's not a big deal. We're kind of used to that, no big deal. Um, and then I started getting uh, messages, WhatsApp messages from a Palestinian friend saying this is happening and showing uh, um, Israelis who were murdered, like uh, civilians in 
inside in rooms. Um, and I said, no, 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 that's not possible. That must be Syria. This doesn't happen here. And it turned out it was it was real. And it was, by the way, Palestinians celebrating it. Um, it wasn't uh, um, she, the per my friend who sent it to me was not, but a lot of people were. Um, and I saw I also have a video of the rallies that they went out to celebrate the, the massacre. Um, as we learned more and more, we were just assumed it was 50, 100, then it was 200, then it was 300, then it was 400, until we learned it's, um, I think the final tally is 800 something civilians, three, 400 uh, uh, soldiers and police officers. Um, the, the country itself is very tra traumatized, both by the way, um, Israeli Arabs and Jews, because Israeli Arabs, this is less known, Israeli Arabs in the South were also killed, women in hijab were murdered by Hamas um, because they live on the Israeli side and they were just in this frenzy of killing. Uh, and there are uh, kidnapped people in Gaza who are, who are you could call them Palestinian. They're Arab Israelis, they have Israeli citizenship um, and they're been taken captive as well. Um, people are really traumatized in, in, within Israel, both Arabs and Jews. On the Palestinian side, in the West Bank and in Gaza, it's very different. It's seen as victory, victory against Israel. Um, they finally showed Israel that they could beat them at something. Um, part of me intellectually can understand that. Emotionally, that's a tough one because you're talking about civilians. If it was soldiers, it still hurts me because I live here, um, but it's, it's, it's a tough one. You're talking about civilians, women, babies, children, old people, and the stories that come out, um, and they're all told by people who were there, are horrific, horrific um, of what happened. So people are really traumatized. This isn't, an, this for Israelis, this wasn't the normal rounds of, oh, here we, you know, uh, they killed a few of us, we're going to kill more of them. It, it, and, and people are enraged here. They're really angry. Um, so, yeah, it's not, it's not good. And yeah. I don't see it being good in the future either. Yeah, no, well... Yeah, I mean it does. It's not the best sign for the peace process. Uh, yeah. Let's put it that way. But um, what? So Hamas, I think it's without question they killed some civilians, right? Uh, and there were also some civilians. I, th I saw this argument the other day. I think some killed in the crossfire, et cetera, and stuff like that too. No, no, I, I went back to the original. Yeah. So article. what is it? Okay, we can talk about that because I saw the okay. Hamas spokesman talking about this yesterday. And no, first I did of all, they're full of crap because the okay, Hamas spokesman totally full of crap. Because he said no, no uh, civilians were. He killed. said it was jets and, actually at first, and I think it was helicopters anyway. The report, but go ahead. Sorry, I didn't okay. So you. I'll get to that in a second. Yeah. Then he went on Lebanese TV after that and said, "Not only did we do it, we plan to do it again and again and again, and we're proud of it." So I, I don't believe any of those people. What happened is there's two things. First of all, there was a radio show, call-in radio show, where a twenty-something-year-old woman said she hid in a house she was at that party uh, that outdoor rave party whatever and went to a community and they hid her in a room and eventually the hamas people came and then just as that happened the soldiers showed up and there was crossfire and and they said do you think our soldiers could have killed people and she said something like anything could happen and true in a crossfire they're right this happens periodically it does where yes it could be it could be in that case friendly fire for some of them but also understand that most of the people had already been killed at this point most of the civilians this is later in the day so people are taking things out of context the thing with the apache helicopter was 
that it was released uh, by the army, showing a bunch of things that happened that day. Also, going after, by the way, Hamas people did not kill any Israelis. They were not Israelis. Well, how do we know this? Because the helicopters didn't even show up until much later in the day, 11, 30, 12 o'clock, because of the incompetence of the army and the government and the police services, because uh, I can explain that as well. This is a very incompetent country. Um, so there's no way those could have been Israelis who were killed in that video. No way. Those were people at the border. Uh, uh, I don't know if they're Hamas or just random Palestinians who wandered in, but they were people go at the border trying to get into Israel. That was not Israelis. And since then, it just the pro-Palestinian love to point that out, that you see the Israelis killed their own people, and it's not true. No, I'm sure, again, there might have been some friendly fire. It could have happened. But what it actually said in that article in Haaretz was it was a handful, meaning four or five, if. All right. Now, let me ask you about the uh, intelligence and military failure uh, yep. that allowed to happen. Now, there are conspiracy theories that it was allowed to happen. Yep. I tend to not think no, that. No, it's not true. I don't tend it's to think that. Like but I've seen it, and, uh, you know, I, I can understand th that theory, right, um, that it benefits Netanyahu. But I don't know if it really does. No, uh, yeah, not yeah, at all. A, yeah, he is yeah. dying in the polls. That's what I was going to ask People you. People are carrying a grudge for him personally. Um, it was a screw-up politically because, first of all, he had moved, he and his group had moved some of the soldiers to the West Bank because it was a holiday, and they were more afraid of West Bank Palestinians uh, um, uh, attacking settlers. Um, and it's uh, also the military and also intelligence. So there's kind of three three groups here. Um, everybody is blaming the government. Everybody. Um, even the people who like Netanyahu are saying he screwed up. It was, or he didn't screw up. They might say he didn't screw up as badly as we think, but he screwed up. He, I'm hoping there will be elections and he will be gone. I would like to see that. It's hard to know because everyone's still in trauma. So hard to know what, what would happen in elections. It was not to benefit Netanyahu in any way. Could not, not possible. Then there's the military and intelligence. It was a complete failure. Um, I don't understand how that could happen because I don't understand military and I don't understand intelligence. But what I can say is, this is what I alluded to before, I said before, is Israelis, everyone has this idea that the Israeli military is the best military in the world. I have personally witnessed, and I never served in the Israeli military, personally witnessed so many mistakes and so many things that I went, holy crap, they let this happen? I mean, two Israelis, not, not I mean, killing, not violence, not anything like that, incompetence, people not showing up, things that don't go right, people not having no clue what they're doing. A friend of mine, okay, so one of the first places that was attacked was at the border with Gaza, uh, at the Ezra, uh, uh, Erez border, sorry, at Erez. A friend of mine served there 12 years ago, and his story is he was American, he moved to Israel, didn't speak Hebrew very well, um, he had done basic training, and he was told to just protect, and he said, well, what do I do? And they're like, you'll be fine, don't worry, you'll be fine. Now, he was with other people. It wasn't like he was alone. So you're not totally alone. But there's no, the training in Israel, I, I, I didn't serve in the army. So someone, someone Israeli is going to get mad at me and say, no, 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 we're well-trained, we're well-trained. Yeah, I don't, I don't see it. I, I work in the Israeli system and living here for 25 years or whatever. Um, I, nothing functions properly in this country. It's run like a banana republic. Nothing works. Nothing functions. Um, I have a joke at work that I say, I'm amazed this country still exists in terms of it not collapsing economically because nobody knows what they're doing. 
Um, I'm exaggerating a bit, but not by much. It's if you heard the stories just at work, I work at the university, and the craziness that happens there of the things that don't make any sense. Um, you would think this is insane. This is supposed to be the high tech nation, and yet nobody can figure out how to create a database somehow, for example. Now explain how it works in Israel. You said you didn't serve in the military, uh, but they do have uh, mandatory service for a lot of people over there. How, so explain how it works. Uh, and you talked about the lack. Of, I've wondered how much training some of them actually get because it's just do your time. But but how how does it work over there? Well, I was first of all I, at age seventeen and a half, eighteen. You you get. Um, called by the army and then you get assessed and you, um, and everybody, that's everybody, male and female, who are Jewish, Druze, or Bedouin. Uh, people who are Christian or Muslim, Arab, Palestinian, you could call them if you want, um, have an exemption, but they can volunteer. They can go into the army and a lot do, by the way. So it's not that uncommon. Um, you then go, uh, you get assessed, you're, you know, you don't know what you're going to do, but eventually you're going to be drafted. Now, in that time, a lot of Israelis try to get out of it. So it ends up being 70% of Israeli men and 60% of Israeli women, this is the current statistics, serve in the military in some way. Um, I moved to Israel when I was 24. Um, and so I was actually invited to uh, for all those tests. And I made a lot of excuses. And finally, they said, do you not want to do this? And I said, no. And they said, we don't really want you. You're too old. And I said, good, let me go. And that was it. So that's why I didn't serve. I regret it a little bit just because I kind of now wish I could answer you on how the military <laughs> worked there. Um, but I would have only had served at that point for four months. But that's, uh, yeah. So, so someone who's an immigrant here, it's now up to age 23. You're required. And then after that, you're not required. Anymore. You can volunteer, though. Now, are some like uh, ultra-Orthodox people uh, exempt from this? I've read a little yes. bit about this. Yes. And so there's a big conflict between the secular society, which is about 60... It depends on what you call secular. Uh, so the ultra-Orthodox is about 13% of the population, and they ra rarely serve. So uh, the secular people, who are about 60% of the population, uh, meaning they either barely believe in Judaism or they believe, but... It's not a big focus in their lives. They live secular lives. Um, they really want the Orthodox to serve. They feel like they're somehow suckers in the system. Um, so there's a lot of pressure to get the ultra-Orthodox to serve. In the end, most of them do not serve. Some of them do, though. Some of them see it as a, a good integration into educational systems. So you do get benefits. Where If you go to the Army, you get benefits in education, um, and you get training. So if you... Are an ultra-orthodox person and you only really knew how to study talmud and torah your whole life and you didn't really do much else i i it's probably a good way to develop other skills and that's what they do right uh, like they they get students from the from the government right am yeah. i wrong yeah, yeah, it's yeah a political yeah. thing it's to keep them so that the governments can be stable yeah it's a kind of a mess that's been going on for 30 something years yeah, and they said they were going to change. I don't. Th they never got that through. No, they're I don't not. Think. Yeah, yeah, I don't. <laughs> yeah, I don't either. But I, and I'm not an expert, but I've read a little bit about it. Uh, now, let me ask you this: How you mentioned the the Arab uh, minority there uh, in Israel? Uh, how mm -hmm. are they treated inside Israel? You said some of them uh, even serve in the military, etc. Mm -hmm. um, but but how does it work with them at least? 
Well, okay, legally, they have the same rights I have. So if I am a Muslim who lives in the north of Israel or a Bedouin who lives in Muslim Bedouin, they're slightly different ethnically, uh, who lives in the south of the country, legally we have the same rights. Socially, we might not be treated exactly the same way. Sorry, I should clarify that. As a, a person who's Canadian, I don't find I'm treated very well. <laughs> that's a whole other pet peeve, but that's a different thing. It's because I, Israeli uh, um, a culture is very aggressive. And I'm Canadian, I'm not very aggressive. So I end up getting trampled on a lot in bureaucratic administrative things. But I, I'm not really complaining, it's just my little pet peeve. Um, they are treated socially on the surface fine, but there's there's racism. There is definitely racism in this in this country. Uh, by the way, there's racism from their side towards Jews. Absolutely. I, absolutely. Um, so there are... Uh, and there's institutional racism in that their towns get end up getting less money somehow. I'm not quite sure exactly the mechanisms because there are many mechanisms. It's not as easy as saying you have 60,000 residents and you have 60,000 residents, so you should get the same thing. Um, there's also political deals that people do. And because the Arabs don't usually serve in the government, they are elected into the parliament, but they don't actually, until recently, wouldn't serve in the government. So they didn't get a lot of those deals that the ultra-Orthodox get, for example, of being able to study and get money from the government. They, you know, wouldn't we all like to be able to do that? Um, so they miss out on, I can't even say their benefits. They just, you go into a, an Arab village and it's a little poorer than the equivalent size of a Jewish area. Not a huge, huge difference because everyone here is sort of lower middle income anyways but it it's noticeable and i would say their schools are not as well funded um um their health system is exactly the same that's the interesting thing because 50 percent of doctors in israel are arabs and they're only 20 percent of the population so um my doctors here in tel aviv uh and and the and the uh, um staff like the nurses and medical staff are a lot of them are russian in even in tel aviv um so medically they actually have the same they, they're treated exactly the same. I'd say it's the social stuff. Also, I would say in Arab mentality, I'll try to be careful in how I phrase this. Uh, no, it, it, there's there's like a chip on your shoulder as a minority, which I can I understand because I'm also a minority in a lot of ways. Not here, I'm also in Canada, a minority. Um, you have a bit of a chip on your shoulder, so they expect bad treatment, and then it becomes a little bit of a self-fulfilling pro prophecy. So I've heard a lot, I worked with a woman at Tel Aviv University who was Druze, so that's one of the Arab minorities. Um, and her, she kept saying, I am treated differently because I'm an Arab. And I kept saying, I don't see what you're talking about because I work with you and I see how people speak to me and people speak to her and it's exactly the same. I see no difference. Um, I don't know, maybe she encountered things that, I, that happened that I didn't. I just never saw it. So I, I think it's a mix of both. And I, I wish it would be remedied because as also a minority, I don't know if you can relate to this, but when you live with another majority group, you just want to be treated normally. You just want to have the same rights and benefits and 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 just live like a normal person. Well, I, and I, I told you this in email, I think I live in Mexico. Uh, so oh, I'm definitely, <laughs> definitely the minority here. Uh, yes. Now, they treat me really well. Like I haven't really had maybe one or two, and even that, nothing major, right? Just like they wish I spoke Spanish or spoke it correctly or whatever. Um, 
but you still stand out though right like you know you're not yeah, <laughs> yeah you still you still stand out even if you're being treated well you know that you're not really up here right um but yeah. i've gotten used to it uh over the years so yeah it's okay to, yeah I've exactly used to it. now talk about and i'll ask that super chat question that last one i'll work it in uh, there. Uh, but let me ask you this. Tell us a little bit about the Druze for those who don't uh, know about them and know about that ethnic group. And I don't feel like they get sure. talked about very much in the West. No, no, no. They're a small minority. I can't remember even the numbers in the world. Um, 200,000, something like that, if I'm guessing. They exist in Israel, Lebanon, Syria. I think that's it. Maybe a little bit in Jordan, if, if at all. Um, they are an offshoot of Shiite Islam from a long time ago. Um, and they have a secret of religion where if you're a Druze or I'm a Druze, we decide to become religious at a certain point. So at that point, we learn about the religion and the secrets of the religion. Um, and you're not allowed to share it with outsiders. Um, it sounds mysterious and interesting. And um, they are they well. Oh, and their their thing is that because they're a minority, they've always been a minority. They would um, set up camp and they would live in villages far from other people because they were. I'm assuming under Islam they would get attacked because they're an offshoot of Islam, and you're not supposed to have that in Islam. Um, and if in when nation states were developed, they decided that the country they live in, they are loyal to that country. Period. So if they if Israel goes to war with Lebanon, a Druze will will fight another Druze, no problem. That's they like to show this pride that they are loyal to the state they live in. Um, so that's they live mostly in the north of Israel. So I don't encounter a lot of Druze people um, in Tel Aviv. It's a little, an hour from the north, at least. Um, the other thing is that because. We've had a more right-wing government who's been threatened by the pro-Palestinian mood around the world. Not lately, I'm talking about years ago. Um, they came up with this nation-state law and the Druze found it very offensive because it says that Judaism is the official religion of, uh, of Israel. It, uh, it is, uh, uh, Hebrew is the official language because the official languages used to be Hebrew and Arabic up until then. Um, and it's a basic law. So in theory, it, which means it's like a constitutional type law. So in theory, it could be used against any non-Jewish minority to say, sorry, it's a Jewish state. You don't get whatever. It hasn't really been. It's, it, I know of one court case of a, of a school in a Jewish area, which was a Muslim school uh, in Nazareth um, that it was used for. And that to me is dangerous enough. But the, the fear from the Druze is that it could be used against them. Israelis claim it will not. You are our brothers uh, in in union. I forget how to phrase that in English, but you are our brothers, and we will always be together. Um, but they, uh, because they're a minority, they often get a little bit ignored in in the in the political maneuverings, which is too bad. Yeah, and you don't hear about them too much. I remember studying them a little bit in my Middle Eastern politics class a long time ago. Um, but you don't really hear about them much in the media or in the worldwide media when it comes to covering what's going on over there. So that's why I want to bring it up. Oh, and also it's it says uh, you interviewed uh, some Druze people, including the son of, son of a priest. How did that go? It was good. I don't remember who the son of the priest was. That I can't remember. <laughs> but it's fine. It's fine. They can't share much. Like, you don't right. know. I know they're, they're, one of their holy people is Jethro from the Bible. That's about all I know. There's a tomb of Jethro. 
Um, they have a few holy sites. Um, one is a forest that I stumbled on just outside of Haifa next to Haifa University. Um, and I, we, I stumbled on it and found a sign and then I spoke to some a Jewish guy who was there and he was telling me about it. So um, yeah, we also don't know that much about them, which is too bad because I'm sure it's very, it's an interesting religion. Now, so. are there any other, um, you know, groups or obscure yeah. religions over there that you've... There's Circassians. I interviewed them. I didn't know very much about them. Circassians come from... Okay, I'm really bad at, at Central, at uh, uh, Southern uh, Asia. Um, so around Georgia, I think, somewhere around there, Black Sea area. Um, in they were often they're Muslim and they were often um, almost Russian looking Muslims. Um, so they don't they're they're not um, Arab Muslim. Um, and there were various uh, um, attacks on them throughout history. Don't ask me from who they told me it's in the video. I can't remember. I'm bad with this. And so they ended up in a lot in Lebanon, in Israel, and I think in Jordan as well. So there's, and they're also loyal to the state. They also serve in the, in the, in the army. Um, and they're, they were very nice. They have only two villages in all of Israel and there's more in Lebanon. Um, very nice people, interesting history. Uh, besides that, there's Druze, uh, uh, sorry, there's a uh, Bedouin. Um, so they live mostly in the South, although there's a few villages, Bedouin villages in the North. Um, and they're, from uh, um, Saudi or Southern Arabian peoples who had been for thousands of years um, bringing their herds from the south of Israel down to Arabia, depending on seasons and where their land was, and eventually they ended up in Israel. Um, who else is there? I'm trying to think. There's Christians. There's a lot of different Christian groups. Uh, Maronites. There's a... Um, uh, Catholics, Greek Orthodox, there's a lot of different uh, Christian groups as well, uh, similar to in Lebanon. Now, let me ask you, I see this super chat, uh, and I'll work it into this question. There's a debate in the U.S. Should we, um, you know, continue giving uh, big aid to Israel and giving them weapons yeah. and stuff like that? Um, should we? Should we not? Some people think we should. Some people think we shouldn't. Um, what's your take on that, and do you think it hamstrings Israel in, in any way to – uh, be tied to the U.S. because they we can also pull them back at least in theory uh, from you know certain things. I know there's some stuff in the media about well the U.S. Yeah. would really like to see maybe this temporary pause extend to a ceasefire and all this and that. Uh, what yeah. are your thoughts on it? So my personal thoughts, and I'm I'm a minority, uh, is that we don't need the money. Um, I checked, and our um, is, um, U.S. gives four billion, and um, we our our uh, budget for the years is a trillion dollars in Israel. Um, we really don't need we don't need that money. Uh, I am sure when it was negotiated at the time in the late seventies, eighties, yes, Israel was a much poorer country. I cannot say this is in any way a wealthy country in any way, um, but it's not that bad. We we don't really need handouts, and it's just a little bit silly for me also because americans love to hold that against uh, <laughs> meaning americans who are anti-israel love to hold that against israelis and i'm like i don't want the money i don't see what it's i mean it, yes it's it's basically four billion dollars actually it's just tra it's translated into weapons and um r d uh research and development around uh, weaponry and uh, military issues now that part i actually think is really important because 
as much as I'm not a big fan of wars, um, I think having that close relationship with the U.S. is really important for the reasons you actually point out, that I think the U.S. can say, you guys are being too emotional about this, and I think what we're doing in Gaza is too emotional, personally. That's me. I'm a minority in this. And for the world to say, not, you know, uh, you are the most horrible people in the world, but to say, you're going too far, this is too much. Um, and, and Israelis know this, by the way. It's on the news all the time. How much longer will the U.S. allow us to do this? It's known. This is this is understood. I actually think that's healthy. I think we all need that. I think America needs that. Other countries, their problem is there no is no other friendly country which has that kind of pull that could say to America, guys, you know what you what or in during Iraq or Afghanistan. I was gonna say, chill out in Iraq. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like I think that's healthy. I really think it's similar to when you and your your spouse are fighting and somebody else comes in and goes, guys, this is going a little too far. I could have come um, handy for yeah. I so that's the that. conflict resolution part that sometimes people have to put you in your place and say, okay, enough. Like I get your 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 needs. Your needs are important. I hear it, but we gotta find another way to do this. Um I don't also, by the way, don't know if there is another way to do this, but um as a conflict resolution person, I'm always hoping war is not the answer. So. Now, you brought that up a couple times. So I'm going to have to get back to it before the end of the hour here yeah. uh, and talk about a little conflict resolution. But how do you think the media uh, has done covering this uh, in general? And do you have any examples of things you liked or disliked uh, about some reporting or reports? I know that there was the, you know, there's been a lot of questions about what happened here and did this hospital get bombed and babies, yep. were they decapitated or not and you have everybody arguing back and forth uh what do you think of of the coverage in general and then maybe any specific example so on the one hand for the first time israel because of what happened on october 7th for a week israel was actually and it was it was it was horrific what happened i mean the stories <laughs> i can't prove 40 decapitated babies that was sort of a miss uh, uh the person who said it it's it probably was broken telephone. It's not exactly what happened, but there were many children and babies found with missing body parts. Um, whether it was done completely intentionally, beheading. I actually have a video of a, of a Thai worker being beheaded by a, a, a Palestinian. So I, it happened, these things happened. So on the one hand, hearing from at least the West of this is really bad, this is different. Is, was really important. And the fact that Biden came to Israel, uh, Biden wasn't trusted by a lot of Israelis before before this happened. And when he came, he became the most popular politician in the world to Israelis. They wanted to throw out BB and take Biden in a second. And I know Biden is, you know, it's a 50-50 split in the US, so I get. But they loved him. Just the fact that he came and said, I see your pain. Um, now, obviously, Palestinians also deserve something like that because of what happened later. So then it turned on Israel because a lot of people are getting killed. The, the statistics of the 14,000, I think that's the current number of people getting killed. I'd, it's in, not possible at the moment to know how many are civilians versus how many are Hamas people. I'm assuming a lot of those are civilians, a lot. I also watch, by the way, I'm not watching American news that much. I'm watching Israeli news and I'm on TikTok and Instagram, Palestinian TikTok and Instagram. So I'm watching um, what we say and what they say because they're more through social media and Al Jazeera. Um, 
So in terms of what the news is covering, the problem is with news, this is everywhere, and social media is everyone has to be the first to report something, and it rarely gets checked. So the hospital stories, it wasn't the hospital itself getting bombed. It was outside the hospital, in the parking lot, or across the street from the hospital. But people are emotional, and they report things in an emotional way, and then it gets translated. It gets mis uh translated in the media as israel bombed a hospital israel bombed a church now there was outside a church a christian church and i know people from gaza who are christian so and they're a very small minority who get screwed by the muslims often um and so and they get screwed by israel too which is terrible um that yeah they got there were uh, people killed uh from the church um but it was out it wasn't the church itself that was bombed it was next to the church I don't know. It's hard to know. And I'm hearing all the different news reports and I'm kind of putting it all together and looking at the evidence from what everyone is posting. And by evidence, I mean, so for the, at the beginning, I kept hearing how Israel cut off the water. And I was like, wait, how do we even have control of our water in Gaza? They've had independence for 20 years. Turns out 7% of their water source does come through Israel. I didn't know this. I actually know a guy who deals with this sort of stuff. Our electricity does come through Israel, um, but the the water doesn't. It's actually local. Um, so yes, Israel did turn off some water at the beginning, um, but all through this, I've actually seen uh, Palestinians posting, "We have no water. We have no water," and you see people with water all the time. So nobody's dying of thirst, but there. But Gaza itself has been destroyed mostly, um, at least large parts of it. And so there are a lot of homeless people um, who are suffering, suffering and have food instability, definitely. Anyway, sorry, I went off on a tangent. Right. Um, so in terms of the media, I don't know, because I'm also on TikTok, which is ridiculous. Um, I, I can't really call that media, but people are watching that as if it's media. And so there's a lot of these stories going around of israel killed its own people on october 7th it wasn't it wasn't even palestinians it's all a lie israel lies um so no i have not seen any lies in fact what happens is someone will make a claim it will take days sometimes weeks to be investigated and then someone from the army will come out and say that was not true what uh, that claim was is not or we have no proof it's not that it wasn't true we have no proof so there was one thing being talked about in the first week about how Palestinians from Gaza were a drug uh, uh, enhanced. They were doing some drug. They were. I yeah, yeah, I read that. Yeah, yeah, I read that. So somebody else lately, they did research in the army and they found no evidence of drugs. And if it was, it was very few people. It was not a common thing. This was not a like a theme that everybody was doing at the time. So things just get taken out of out of proportion for what they are and reported on, and it takes time. That's the problem with our media and social media is everyone wants the truth this minute, and you can't. You can't do it. It's impossible because everything has to be investigated, and every investigator is going to find something different. Um, every day I learn a new story about what happened on October 7th. Uh, somebody else, either on the news or somebody tells me some story. And I go look it up, and it turns out it was written about by the person who experienced it. So, and some of them, by the way, are not to put Israel as the victim. Some of them were, for example, it was um, uh, two stories, where it's a 16-year-old Palestinian guy who freaked out 
because he didn't know what to do with Jews. And he was sent like he, they were kind of told they should be killing people and they should be kidnapping people. And he didn't know what to do. So he sat in somebody's living room until the police showed up because um, he freaked out. I mean, that's kind of, a, you know, not a bad story. Or uh, uh, there was a uh, an old man with a, um, uh, what do you call it, a caregiver uh, from the Philippines. And the caregiver uh, uh, bribed the uh, Hamas person or whoever it was. Actually, some of these people aren't even Hamas. They're just random Palestinians who, who wandered in with them. A um, thousand shekels, which is like $400. And he left. And they were saved because of this. I only learned this three days ago. This happened two months ago. Um, so a long, and I don't want to say that there weren't, because there were huge tragedies. There was another story of a, a, a soldier who told the story of she went in and found a young girl who had been in a house for two days. She was about five or six years old, and her arm had been cut off by somebody. Um, and she was bleeding out. And she couldn't even speak at that minute, and she died in her arms, and she couldn't even save her because it had just been too long. She just bled out. Um, and so there was there was horrible things that happened and crazy things because I don't think Hamas knew what to do. They didn't think this would happen. They thought they were going to go in, take some soldiers, and suddenly they found the border was a mess and were able to do a lot of things. And then Palestinians just flowed in. There were 2,000 Palestinians within Israel, creating chaos and shooting people and with grenades and RPGs and crazy things were happening. So now let me, let me ask you, you mentioned TikTok. There's a lot of stories in the media here uh, about TikTok should be banned because yeah. there's a lot of anti, um, I guess you say anti-Jewish or anti-Zionist, however you want to put it, content on yeah. there. There was a, a bunch of stories about bin Laden uh, his letter about 9-11 yeah. or something trending on, trending on yeah. there. So what are your thoughts, first off, on TikTok itself, and then is there rising anti-Semitic uh, sentiment, which you see said by Jonathan Greenblatt, we watched him the other day, and a lot in the media, to be fair, besides just the ADL. Um, what are your thoughts? I, I, don't know, I don't know who Jonathan Greenblatt is, but okay. He, he um, so, yeah. uh, okay. Um, so... Uh, TikTok, on the one hand, wow, addictive. I get it. Uh, I only got into it about three months ago. And uh, even my son, who's 24, said, don't get on TikTok. The Chinese <laughs> are watching you. And I'm like, I don't care. They can know what they want. Like, I don't really care about that. Um, but it is a bizarre, skewed world of people trying to out uh, uh, know, out research everybody. I know the truth. I'm telling you the truth. And I'm telling you, it's a bizarre world that makes no sense. And there's no debate. And even even its functionality when you try to reply to something is so limited and annoying. So, yeah, I kind of wish it would be just banned around or or those sort of social media things would be banned. Um, I don't know what it would be replaced with, but I don't know. Part of me wants that. I also I'm addicted. I was just watching it TikTok minutes ago. I mean, I'm ridiculous. Uh, in terms of anti-Semitism. Um, so this is interesting. One of the reasons that I started studying conflict resolution was I always Growing up in Canada, I saw when people would claim anti-Semitism as it being an exaggeration and it had more to do um, with someone's need for identity. And one of the ways we get our need for identity is having an other and somebody who hates us or somebody. And that's, by the way, what Palestinians often do. That's very common. Um, and so part of the reason I wanted to understand the psychology of, of conflict and, and how we interpret conflict is uh, because of that experience. 
However, because um, I never encountered anti-Semitism in Canada. I really didn't. I never had anything that I could say other than people going, oh, you're Jewish. I mean, I don't know how to take that. I don't know if they meant it in a negative way. I don't know. I don't care. Um, there are a lot, since I started doing these videos, I get a lot of emails that are absolutely anti-Semitic. Absolutely. Um, mainly from the Muslim world, but not only. Um, and uh, crazy conspiracy theories uh, about what is Judaism, what Jews think, what we believe, um, what we do. And so I have been more convinced um, also because of recent you know, TikTok type things, there's a lot of anti-Semitism out there and it shocked me. Um, from, you know, from, and I don't know how, I'm not sure how fringe it is. I don't know how many people actually believe that, um, I'm trying to think some of the crazier ones that I've heard. Um, you know, no Jews were killed in, Hol in the Holocaust, um, or very few Jews were killed in the Holocaust, or the Jews were in on it, or Jews were in on 9-11. Somebody brought that up to me a couple of years ago, and I'm like, are you crazy? Because I was in Israel during 9-11, and we were traumatized for America, thinking we're next. If they're going after New York, we're next, for sure. Um, uh, so this, these, these ideas that are spread around are really scary, and um, they're accentuated, they're exaggerated by things like TikTok. I want to believe that it's still a fringe. I, I don't know. I really don't know. Well, you mentioned the 9-11, and we've had people on both sides of that actually on the show, but it's gotten more prominence, I'd say, uh, in the last year or so, where you see, like, it's stated a little more uh, openly or, or what have you. Um, but do you see that increasing because of this conflict in Israel, or is that just something that's there already? A little bit. So I've noticed in the last few years, I don't know about in America, but I know in England, the word Zionist is considered a uh, derogatory term. And they don't actually know what it means, but they go, what are you, a Zionist? Like It's like saying a racist. And that's not what Zionism means at all. Um, if you want to go into that, we can, but that's all it is. Yeah, we but could I hear after this. Yeah, go ahead. So, but I keep hearing people use that as if automatically anyone who says Zionist or Zionism is, it's automatic, it's like saying, uh, you know, something horrible, you're a child, you know, child molester. And I'm like, you, you guys are not understanding what Zionism is. So if you want to criticize aspects of Zionism, sure, go ahead. I, I have no issue with that. Um, but so I've noticed that the idea of anti-Semitism and anti-Zionism get blended together very quickly very quickly and easily and uh because you've had jews being attacked who may or may not be zionists and um that is very scary for for jews outside so anyway zionism the idea of zionism so i can let you know is zionism is self-determination for the jewish people that's it that's all it means however it's the original meaning Zionists themselves split off because I don't know if you know this, but no two Jews can agree on anything. We always have to. The joke is there's two Jews, there's three synagogues. I'm not a religious person. I don't believe in God. I don't care. But it's it's a good joke because it's true. In every synagogue, there's always a fight and somebody has to break off and start their own synagogue because they're annoyed. How dare you decide to do things this way instead of that way? Um, so Zionism did a similar thing. And then, so in the when Israel uh, conquered the West Bank, 
um, and Gaza, uh, part of Zionists decided this is a, a further implementation of Zionism is to settle the West Bank and Gaza because it's the only way. It was also a little bit of a tactical thing. It was religious, tactical, and a few things together. At the time, in the 60, in the 70s, it was a, and 80s, it was a big debate where most of the country was actually against that. Um, unfortunately, the right wing in that sense of that Zionism, the, um, of we need to settle the West Bank, kind of won um, because Palestinians got more and more fed up with being ignored and being, I don't even want to use terms that they use like apartheid and whatever, but they weren't citizens. And so they didn't have the same rights. And so, and the Israelis kind of ignored it for a really long time because they didn't know what to do with it. And they got more violent. And as they got more violent, Israelis became more right-wing and more towards the form of Zionism of we have to show them who's boss. And that's, it kind of morphed into it. Now, today's Zionism, you ask the average Israeli is what, and I did a video, it's one of my first videos. What is a Zionist? They meant it to be Israeli, to love your country. That's it. It's like saying I'm, I'm, I'm an American. There's no difference. And if you say no, no, but you're taking over settlements, they go, that has nothing to do with it. That, you know, that, that's unconnected. Somebody who is a settler who really believes in that form of Zionism will say, no, 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 that's Zionism. Um, they're still in the minority, still. So this idea of the word being co-opted to mean a racist, there are absolutely Zionists who are a racist, absolutely, but the majority of people who call those Zionists are not. That's just, uh, no. it's just not. Let me ask you about Elon Musk has caught some heat for some of his comments on X slash Twitter. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then I, I mentioned Greenblatt only because he runs the ADL and there was they had some conversations and Elon came out and said, well, from the river to the sea is now a genocidal statement, uh, basically. And, and you can't say that. And yeah. there have been others who said Nikki again, Haley, it's social media that. like. God, everyone has to pick on things. So on the one hand, sorry, let me, let me interrupt. For, sorry. No, it's Excuse fine. Me. Go ahead. Um, on the one hand, when I hear river to the sea, yes, I see that as that means the Jews have to leave. Does everyone who's saying from the river to the sea even understand that or mean that? I don't know. I did ask Palestinians when you say free Palestine, not river to the sea, but free Palestine. By the way, they all mean the river to the sea when they talk about Palestine. Um, sure. <laughs> it was, if I, I, I can't remember if I counted or not, but it was about a 50, 50 split of no, it doesn't mean all Jews should leave. And yes, it means Jews have to leave or, you know, we'll kill them kind of thing. Um, or I said, I, the way I phrased it was there'd be no Israel. And so, and so even if it's Palestine, I've asked that what happens to the Jews after everything becomes Palestine, they say they leave. Because to them, all the Jews came from America and Poland, even though 60% of, of uh, Israeli Jews are actually from the Middle East. But different, they ignore that part. Um, so can you ban a slogan? I, that seems kind of anti-democratic to me and silly. The, uh, but I don't know. I, because on the one hand, I want to say, can't we just explain what these things mean and have a conversation and be logical about it instead of fighting? But I know I'm on social media too, and it's ridiculous. It's it's monkeys throwing poop at each other. It really is. That's so I don't know what to do about that. 
Yeah, I don't either. And you kind of hit on something there when you asked the Palestinians, well, what are, what's going to happen to the Jews after? And they're just like, I don't know. They're going to leave. We'll take them out. But it's the same thing on the other side, too. Uh, so we were just watching one of your videos where you're asking this woman, I think, in the mall um, or someplace, public place like that. And you're like, well, what's going to happen? <laughs> what are we going to do with all these Palestinians? And she's like, I don't know. Uh, after you defeat yeah, Hamas, right? Yeah, like, I don't know. That's way down the list, and they're not oh, too that's, concerned. Oh, that's probably the recent one yeah, from, yeah. from about the yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so before October 7th, when I would ask that, people didn't have a good answer, but they understood that Palestinians need something. Um, and so, so there's a kind of a split. I'm going to oversimplify the split, but about 50% of people believe that they should have their own state, and about 50% of people believe they will become Israeli, but they're just going to have less rights. They're not going to have political rights. They'll have social rights, but no political rights. So they'll get all health care and, and national insurance, and that's not a problem. They can go wherever they want, but they can't vote for prime minister because there's too many Arabs. So that's what where we're at. And when you ask people, well, that's not a democracy, or how do you explain that in a democracy? They have no real answer. They really Also, how could they even, I mean, they're going to outbreed the... Yes. the the Jewish people there eventually. Yes. Uh, yeah. So that's not going to work. Uh, it might work temporarily. And that's uh, the, the fear because once that's the issue in the Middle East in general, once you become a minority, the majority abuses you. And it's, I wish the Middle East, the Gulf um, seems to have changed a little bit. The Gulf countries, Saudi Arabia, um, uh, Emirates have changed a bit in this. Um, but this area, the Levant and North Africa, is still very it's very we control whoever controls controls and that's the way it is and you have to you have to understand that it's kind of a strong man which i don't like that i'm i'm canadian i i very much believe in we should be kind to each other and good to each other and everyone should be equal you know but they call me naive here so <laughs> now let me ask you before i touch on conflict resolution at the end let me ask you uh is there is there something we didn't touch on that you've really um gleaned from your time interviewing tons of people over a decade's worth um, that you've like some takeaway from, from all that or some general, not generalizations, but uh, just uh, some things you were surprised to learn or something you could share with us from doing that many interviews. So, I mean, one of the things is let's say that the Jewish settlers who I was kind of against when I started this and I'm not for them or support them, um, if any of them are listening, they're going to be mad at me, but whatever. <laughs> um, they're actually a lot more moderate than I expected. That kind of surprised me. Um, there's a lot of groups that I expected to be a more extreme, and they're much more moderate than I would expect, at least on the surface. I, I don't mean just the camera. They're not. People aren't really. They're being a little bit more polite on in the in front of the camera. That's true. But off camera, people are telling me more or less the same things, just maybe a little bit more aggressively. Maybe, like a little. Um, uh, other things I've learned, the Christians who are like 2% of this area, both in Palestinian areas and in Israel, um, are probably, ironically, because Christianity hasn't been great to Islam or to Jews, but they're probably the most level-headed of all of them, of all of us um, here, because they're a small minority. And so they have to be level-headed and kind of not, you know, piss off both sides and also understand that both sides have a point um so those are the things that i i personally learned but those are just my um you know what i took away what i like about the videos is that people watch them and they they 
have a very different lesson than I thought I, they were getting. So people see different things that I don't even see. So great. That's, that's depending the on what their paradigm is, they can see what they Could want be. out of it. Could right? be. Yes. Yeah, so yeah, there's yeah, a bit yeah. of uh, a yeah. bit of that. Uh, yeah. Of, well, because you're just asking regular people, their... you know, questions, and depending on your point of view, you can, you know what I mean. Yeah. You have different takes on what they say, right? Yeah. Um, now, conflict resolution. Talk a little bit uh, about that and. What does that field of study entail? And can you teach us a little bit about conflict resolution? Wow. Putting me on the spot. It's been 15 years <laughs> for my degree. Um, so well, you don't have to get super detailed if you don't want. Yeah, okay. So conflict cute. resolution and understanding the dynamics, usually um, studied by academics, but really you need to keep, see it in real life because I studied it in an academic way but really you have to because conflict is about emotion a lot of it is about emotion um and understanding those emotions so you have to see it up close and just studying it from a book is i don't think enough so i always advise people go to a conflict zone to to study conflict south africa ireland israel um somewhere safe but in with conflict um and it's understanding the psychology the political science the sociology the religious perspectives the international law perspectives economics of what happens during conflicts and how do you hopefully solve them. Um, so my personal, what I am the most attracted to is the psycho psychological aspects and identity aspects because, um, you know, being a minority, uh, I'm Jewish and I'm gay, um, you always feel like, you, you know, you're, you're a minority and you're always like, what do they mean by that? And you get like paranoid and, you know, and it's understanding how the majority makes you the minority feel and how the minority is perceived by the majority and and all that so i am very interested in how we form our identities whether as an individual or as collectives um around who our identity is and that's really big today with trans issues and with every gen z person being mentally having issues and all these things it becomes a little bit of identity as well um at least that's what i see uh and again it's probably you know i'm looking through that that lens so i'm that's what i see um but i think that's really fascinating um and it's it's similar to going into therapy so you can understand how, what your parents did to you and how you contributed to that and what you're doing with your spouse and why you and your friends, blah, blah, blah. But until you actually decide I'm going to do something about that, that's that's on you. You got to figure out what those dynamics are and um, make the changes that you want to see with yourself and with your group that you're in. And I think conflict resolution is similar in that sense. Um, you can learn as much as you want. Unless you're Elon Musk, who I don't understand why people with a lot of money have all this say, I don't really get it, but okay. Uh, or you are Netanyahu or uh, Biden or somebody high up, um, it's more difficult to make changes. Um, but we still, we can learn about ourselves through understanding conflict and hopefully not repeat them. Um, and I say this uh, knowing I've yelled at three people today already um, because they annoyed me. <laughs> Yes, because I'm I'm very hot tempered, and um, so it was doing. By the way, it was in the context of doing the videos, and I asked people, "Can I film you?" And they said really obnoxious things to me, and I'm like, "Thank you for being nice. You can't just be nice." Like I get very aggressive, and I, as I'm saying it, I always know it's the wrong thing. It's absolutely the wrong thing to say. People should be kinder to each other. Um, so that's what that's that's my pitch for conflict resolution. 
it's understanding the dynamics of why we get into these situations. Yeah, and I, I think you hit on something too with the, I've talked about it, the fetishization of, of mental illness. Not that they don't exist and disorders don't, of course. They no, don't. no, absolutely. They but it, it, there's a real push in the media and anybody's susceptible to it, but there's a real push uh, among the younger generation and in the media to make it like um, a personality uh, yeah. uh, you know what I mean? Like a personality trait or something that you identify as versus like something you're working on. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Uh, you know what I mean? Like, Oh, I'm this now, like you're a sports team fan or something. Or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's just, I don't know. It just becomes a, a descriptor rather than, yeah. Okay. It's something you're dealing with. I don't know if that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. No, no, I hear you. I also, it kind of, cause I'm, you know, gen X I'm old. So, yeah, it could just be. Um, so it, to me, I hear these people say, "I'm on the spectrum of this," and I'm and I yeah. use it jokingly. And I know there are people who are really on the autism spectrum who actually have real issues because of it. Um, most of us don't have ADHD and don't have uh, are not on the spectrum, and we just have we all have issues that we just need to deal with and we cope. That's that's what we should do. Yeah, whenever somebody I've had that happen too, where they introduce themselves first and they're like, "Yeah, I have autism and this and that." Sometimes they do, right? Uh, but it's yeah. just I don't know. It's just a different. Traditionally, that's not usually the case necessarily. But uh, I had a great time with you today on the show. I'm going to keep you the, the whole time. I know it's a little bit later uh, there in Israel. Um, tell us where to find you at the end, and maybe I don't know where do you see things going uh, with this conflict. That's kind of a big question to throw out there. And I'm usually yeah. wrong about these things. <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, that's fine. But so, tell me where uh, to find you, what you're working on, et cetera. I, so you can find me on YouTube under the Ask Project, Ask an Israeli, Ask a Palestinian. Um, I, I'm on Facebook a little and on Instagram and whatever, but I, I'm, I find them too annoying, so I don't post that much. Or I have been lately, but normally I wouldn't. Um, no, YouTube. YouTube is it's solid, it's stable, everything is there. If you want to understand, well, and don't watch one video and think you know everything about Israelis or everything about Palestinians, you got to watch a few and you get a sense. It just, you, it's the idea is I'm asking people questions and then I'm saying, okay, but why? And give me some context and give me an example. Um, and after a while, you get a sense of who these people are to a certain extent. Uh, a lot of people, by the way, told me uh, the ministry of, uh, I've never been funded by anybody other than private people who donate money but uh, uh the ministry of tourism owes me so much of israel <laughs> because i i keep meeting people say oh you know i came to israel because of your videos and i'm like where is the ministry of tourism because they're i know they're they're just they can't get their act together and they're never going to give me money um but they owe me um and people would say their thing is wow it really is like in your videos here people really do talk that way people really say those things and i'm like yeah that's why i'm doing it israelis are what you see is what you get palestinians what you see is what you get it's very um they are who they are uh where's this conflict going i have no idea i sincerely hope that the people in gaza can rebuild um i sincerely hope that the people in gaza and the west bank will my biggest thing is that they will agree to negotiate with israelis to to end this conflict the majority of palestinians want the conflict to end but they do not want to deal with israelis and that's the problem and i sincerely hope the israelis themselves who are so angry at the moment will agree to create something livable for palestinians two-state solution some sort of whatever i don't really care i just want everyone to be able to live um, productive normal lives um and how do we get there i don't know 
and I hope this ends and there um, won't be as much suffering. Thank you for That's your it. time today. I really enjoyed the interview. Corey Gilschuster here uh, on Kill Street making your debut. And I thank you and be safe over there. Thank you. Okay. Take care. All right. You too. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.